What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. What can a fully impotent, chemically castrated survivor of two cancers and his postmenopausal partner possibly share about sex, intimacy, and relationships? Everything, they say, including a world of extraordinary emotional, sexual, and spiritual intimacy that most couples cannot even begin to imagine. Michael Russer and Jacqueline Lopez are co-authors of Return to Sex and Intimacy for Cancer Survivors and Their Partners. Hello, everyone. My name is Pamela Brewer, and I am delighted to welcome you to this edition of Mind Talk. And I am very pleased to say hello to Michael and Jacqueline. Hello, folks. How are you? Hello, Pamela. Oh, we're doing great, Pamela. Thank you. It's an honor to be on your program again. Now, uh, Michael, you heard me say a moment ago that you are the survivor of two cancers. What's going on with your health? Well, it's my family, Pamela. It's my family. I lost five other members of my immediate family to various forms of cancer. My father died of liver cancer, my mother breast cancer, my oldest brother, uh, some form of rare blood cancer, my, my oldest sister breast cancer, and then uh, most recently another brother in malignant melanoma. I'm number six, um, and that wiped out half the family right there. And I'm number six, uh, and I'm the only one that has two forms of cancer. So. I don't know if it's because we were raised in a meatpacking family. My dad had a meat processing uh, plant uh, back when we were younger, and we eat processed meats all the time. I don't know. I don't know if it's because it was upstate New York uh, or there's something energetic going on. But uh, it's very prevalent in my family, and it's, uh, it's, 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 uh, it's a serious thing. And uh, of the two cancers, the prostate cancer is the most serious for me because that's the one that can – metastasize and and that's when you're in trouble the chronic lymphocytic leukemia or CLL it's more bothersome a lot of people have it and it can be easily maintained over decades typically it's just your white blood cells don't die as fast as they should but the prostate cancer is pretty serious and uh, which leads to my chemical castration which uh, essentially removes testosterone from my system which is considered the fuel for the prostate cancer and uh, so my condition has progressed since you and I have uh, talked last. It has progressed. Yes. Mm-hmm. But I, if you saw me today, you'd think I was the picture of health. And I feel like the picture of health. Um, but it's, it's there. You know, it's there. And uh, I don't identify with it, but I know it's there. And Jacqueline Lopez, you're in a relationship with someone who has cancer, that would scare a lot of people away. Yes, um, it is scary, but um, it's also an adventure and an opportunity to to enjoy life every day as if it was the last day. 
uh, people make assumptions that life is going to be forever. They, I, I'm going to tell them that I love him the next month. I'm going to, you know, we're going to take that trip uh, two weeks from now. You know, we are living in a society, living in the future, constantly aiming to the future or, uh, you know, uh, having a conflict in our relationship for past events. In other words, our society lives in the past and in the future. And what we need is to live in the present moment, to appreciate every moment as if it was the last minute that you enjoy with your loved one. You say early on in the book that you have both co-authored, which is entitled Return to Sex and Intimacy for Cancer Survivors and Their Partners, uh, that the tragedy of cancer can also become the gateway to extraordinary levels of all forms of intimacy. So I'm going to ask this of both of you. How is that possible that cancer can become a gateway to intimacy? Well, let me take a stab at that first, uh, since I'm the one with the cancer. <laughs> um, it, um, uh, the cancer came with another gift, and that was uh, complete clinical impotence. Now, a lot of the men listening just took a double take uh, when I said that. But it truly has become a gift. And it, and it related to our, our interview a few years ago when I was working on another book <clears throat> called Hardly Broken, which ended up being like a chapter to this book. Uh, essentially, um, as Jacqueline said, the cancer itself becomes a gift. And when, we, when we're on the uh, speaking platform, we tell this to the, to the audience, you know, if you look at any challenge, Within every challenge, Pamela, there is always a seed of a greater possibility of something even potentially transformational. And the cancer, the gift that cancer gave both of us, as Jacqueline was saying, is that we appreciate the moment and each other without thinking, well, someday I'll will. And it's not about the doing. It's about the being, being in, in the present moment. Now, that doesn't mean that you're zoning out from everything else. No, it's, it's, a, it's a deep state of awareness that we never would have uh, of, uh, of, uh, discovered without the challenge of cancer and, and my impotence. So it's a deep state of awareness without judgment, expectations, or distractions. Imagine that kind of a space between two people. Very, very, very few people on this planet have experienced that. We experience it every day throughout the day, and that's an incredible gift. And in fact, we are now teaching people how to become present. We demonstrate it right up on on stage. In 30 seconds, we can bring people to the sense of presence in 30 seconds. And they've never experienced it before. And often members of the audience burst into tears because they recognize what just happened. So that's the first gift. And the second gift, uh, primarily to my impotence, is that the, the way that men and women are wired, uh, both culturally and, and genetically, is primarily for pro- procreation purposes, which is great for making babies, but not necessarily so much for deep connecting intimacy on all levels, uh, uh, which is something that their hearts yearn for. And so the wiring can get in the way, especially as couples are together for longer periods of time, the gender differences, etc. Well, my wiring was short-circuited when I lost my ability to have an erection and therefore I was able to slow down and be much more present for Jacqueline in terms of how to 
please her in the way she wants to be pleased when we are sexually intimate. And that absolutely transformed. That has taken us places that we can't even, it literally has become ineffable and it continues to get better. And we've been together for years now. And so those are the gifts that I see. Yes. And exploration, Um, the vibrancy of exploring something with your partner, not leaving an autopilot, not making love in a traditional way, exploring new ways. If this doesn't work, if it goes our, our functioning in our body, Look, I am 52 years old. There's certain things in my body that doesn't work like I was in my 20s and 30s. Therefore, I have to look and explore and discovery and discover new ways to become intimate with my partner. So the discovery for me is 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 fantastic because it's exciting. I mean, life should be exciting. I mean, people really don't appreciate life because they think they know everything. They, they figure things the way it used to be or the way their mom taught them or their sister taught whatever. We live in a society where we make assumptions about how things work, but it doesn't have to be that way. You can explore new ways of, of being intimate with your partner. If it doesn't work the way it you know, used to work when you were in your 30s, and we also live in a society where we tend to look at what's wrong, what's missing, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. what's available mm-hmm. and what's present. You know, so, you know, it's easy to look at yourself and say, I am fill in the blank years old, but I used to be X, Y, and Z, and I want that back. I, I, if I can't have that, I can't have anything. And, mm-hmm. and the two of you are saying that's absolutely not the case. No. Oh, my God, no. I, despite all our uncertainties, and we have plenty, Pamela, um, you know, certainly the, the health-wise and, and other ways, we have a lot of uncertainty. But I would not trade my life right now for any other time uh, or any other place or any other person. And um, it's, it's because we truly are living right now where before um, I, I felt like I was sleepwalking. And, survive. Yeah, mm-hmm. just it's all about survival. You know, you, know, you get the job, do your thing, blah, blah, blah. You come home, you get frustrated, and you, you know, that's life. Yeah, yeah. You take a trip the same place where yeah, you used to, to go do. every summer. Yeah. You know, pe- people just live lives on autopilot. Yeah, they live on autopilot. It's true. And, and by definition, uh, we chose not to. And uh, one, of the first things, one of the first things I had to let go of is defining myself uh, as a man. I how I define myself as a man. And in our culture, as you are well aware, uh, thanks to our pharmaceutical and porn industries, men define themselves by the size and capability of their package, so to speak. And, um, you know, the the only thing that could possibly be worse for my condition in that regard would be if somehow I stepped on a landmine and had it all blown off. I mean, it just doesn't get much worse than my condition. Yet I have never felt more like a man than I do now. And um, so, but the first thing I had to do is let go of that limiting belief that that's who I was as a man. So it starts, really, this all starts not about acquiring anything. And when we're up on stage, the first thing we tell them is, this is not about acquiring anything new. It's about letting go of those hidden uh, chains that we all forge for ourselves that hold us back from expressing our complete and total humanity and spirit and it's so it's it's really about letting go and then 
entering into the abyss of the unknown, which is always the case in the moment. And that's why the moment scares people. And that's why today's um, 21st century version of Soma from uh, uh, from Brave New World uh, is, uh, is George or- Orwell's Brave New World is distraction, and so we are we are uh, we are addicted to distraction because it it keeps us from the uncertainty of the moment, which is always there. But that's where the juice is. That's where the vibrancy, you know, the vibrancy, the and the transformation happens mm-hmm. is in the abyss of the moment, where you cannot predict. What happens or comes next? We're going to take a break and we'll come right back. <laughs> Don't go away. Well, Michael, I mean, clearly you're saying that you no longer define yourself by a body part. Exactly. Which we, is that's what we teach other people too. You know, women who have double mastectomies. That yeah. is rough. That is. And they're hard. getting younger and younger. Yeah. Uh, it's true. Uh, and cancer affects a lot of people, and as I say, younger and younger all the time. And they need, uh, you know, a message of hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. so what what's the first step, though? Because we clearly live in a world where both of the sexes are encouraged. I mean, turn on the television and within mm-hmm. 10 minutes, you've got evidence that your body part is what makes you real. So mm-hmm. yeah. h- how do you, uh, it, your body part is what makes you real, it's what makes you desirable, it's what makes you successful, fill in the blanks. So how do you begin the process of removing that clearly limiting perspective and opening yourself up to a broader awareness and a broader life? What's the first step? Turn it off. Stop watching the media. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> drop your Netflix membership. Yeah, we we dropped everything. And um, detox news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't, don't listen to the, the, the news. news that is are very not, negative, uh, and yeah. and everything. And the, the, the and thing, become more conscious. Yeah, and then and then also, you know, it, be willing to explore. It, this is really it's it's a. Here's when people make this shift. Pamela, and I'm sure you're very aware of this. It's all based on how much pain they're feeling. When the pain of their current circumstances, whether it's emotional pain or whatever, finally exceeds the perceived pain of exploring the unknown, they will make a shift. And, um, and, And it helps to eliminate the background noise and the background BS that is out there, you know, basically promulgating these these false uh, beliefs and limiting beliefs that those are all chains those are all designed to keep us buying stuff to keep us you know, adding to ourselves somehow thinking that if we keep adding to ourselves it's if we're, we're going to be a newer model of that car if i just have the bigger house if i just go by in you know, that trip that i always wanted to go I mean, or, I or, or, or you see you see these celebrities uh, in in hollywood they get all these facelifts and plastic surgery they're trying to recapture something you know aging is part of life it is part of the cycle and so to let it go and then focus more on you know what is wonderful about right now and this is and, and, and how you, one defines themselves as a human being or a particular and, sex or sexuality is, is a choice. And, the, and that's the first step is realizing it is a choice. And that's where that's where we see it has to start. You say that um, 
the the lack of empathy and the lack of resources available to cancer uh patients and their and their partners is is huge it's it's yes. you you, mm-hmm. de- you describe it as being uh you say it's in fact uh, i'm quoting you a rampant lack of empathy and resources yes so a couple of things um on the one hand we're talking about really broadening how you think about yourself and taking away that narrowly focused definition of a body part as being who you are and what you are and then we're talking about resources with respect to intimacy so it sounds like we've also got to redefine what intimacy is and then make resources available which i guess is what you and Jackie are really working hard to do. That's right. And we, we do this in our writing and we get on the platform. But uh, interestingly, that you would bring up the medical uh, community, uh, they recognize this is missing. And we've done the research. Jacqueline does all the research. I make the calls. And um, it's, it's, it's amazing how little there is out there. And one we, of the we went to a symposium for cancer survivors, and there wasn't a, a single discussion. N- nobody about it. was talking about the consequences uh, to intimacy, the, relationships. yeah, relationships of the medication and treatment. Yeah, none. It was so interesting. This was last February, and uh, of course they had all the Harvard-educated um, uh, academics, uh, academics, <laughs> and oncologists up on the panel. And when we approached them afterwards and asked them about this, we got the nice little pat on the head. Well, that's very nice and yeah you know we have a program which they really didn't all this and not much of one but it was interesting because when we walked out of the hotel to get this was in the evening in san diego and we needed to get a bite to eat as we go to the little store down at the in, in the lobby of the um uh cafe in the lobby of the hotel two young women follow us out they said they you know, overheard what we were talking they about. overheard what we were talking about and they said, I want to hear more about We it. want to hear more about what you guys do. And they were in their 30s. That, no, no, I'd say even their 20s. Yeah, their sisters, one had vulvarian cancer, which is, you know, very, and, and, and the other one had double, double mastectomy. Double mastectomy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and they, they were young sisters, yeah. and they said, no one talks to us about this. So what we're doing, we're, we're starting in the front line. So in addition to the speaking that we do to the, to the survivors and partners and symposiums and that sort of thing, we are just now putting together a three-hour uh, continuing education program for oncology and urologic nurses and nurse navigators about the intimacy conversation that absolutely needs to be hap- needs to happen at the point of intake of a new patient, and um, and then we provide them with all the resources at no cost to anybody, including the medical community, uh, to to help them navigate their their uh, uh, their path through this as they go as they go through the treatments and, and so that's where we're starting michael that. you're saying at the point of intake yes these conversations should a, happen when a, when a patient comes in and realize oh you have cancer and they come in with their partner uh, depending on the type of cancer um, reproductive cancer if it's re- your reproductive cancers are the most uh, you know pernicious in this regard uh, but typically, the person with the cancer is is uh, thinking about uh, are they going to be if it's a reproductive cancer, male or female, they're thinking, am I still going to be a, a woman or man, right after this? Right. And the partner's thinking, am I still going am I going to have a partner for much longer? So they this is a really messed up 
place for them, and they're both anxious, and uh, you know you have existential issues and and uh, financial issues. Mm-hmm. You've got, and then the you know, and then on top of that, um, the majority of these cancers typically happen uh, with people who are mature, and so if they've been together for a while, uh, often for years or decades, there's a lot of wounding that's already happened within the relationship, and this could be the last straw. That breaks the camel's back, and so or the point is when they most need each other. That's when they most need each other. Interesting, and yeah, and 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 ironically, and we are not the only we are not the only ones that this happened to. It can also be the threshold to extraordinary levels of emotional, sexual, and even spiritual intimacy that they've never experienced before ever in their relationship. I'm thinking that there are some folks whether they are feeling filled with an illness or completely illness-free, who were saying, that is way too much energy. I don't want to expend it. I don't want to be that vulnerable. I don't want to do that much work. Yeah, well, then they're going to uh, they're going to live their life unfulfilled for the rest of their lives. And, uh, and, and it's a choice that they make. That's a choice they make. And it's, it's not actually so much work in, in terms of, you know, you're oh, God, we're exhausted. Oh, I don't you know all that work we had today. No, it's not like that. It is it is being aware. Mm-hmm. Now, when people first start becoming truly aware um Beyond that, it, that it, voice you in your integrate head. in your life actually, yeah. so you don't have to think about it. it I mean, it, it becomes you integrate this awareness in your life and becomes your, part of your part of who you are. Yeah. Now the vulnerability—that's a good point because being vulnerable, which is a charged word in our culture, as you well know, um, is usually perceived as being a weakness. We see it as one of the most courageous acts there are because we define vulnerability, Pamela, as the willingness to feel. Everything. I mean, the highest highs to the lowest lows. And yet we live in a culture uh, that essentially says conspire to. Keep con- us in yeah, the- we're we don't want yeah, you to feel bad. Right. Pain yeah. And you can eat that ice cream. So you'll feel better. You can eat that candy bar. You can watch that Netflix. You can't stand. But at least you don't have to think about anything. Zone out. You zone out. People go to the theater and right. they zone out for yeah. hours. Go to the mall. They zone out. You right. know, go shopping spree. They zone out. Yeah. So the vulnerability is crucial. And because otherwise, because as you know, there's no one way uh, valve for feelings. You either feel everything or you feel pretty much nothing. And, um, you know, uh, before I met Jacqueline, I was on Zola for seven years and, uh, I felt nothing. I didn't feel bad. Didn't feel good. Just felt nothing. And I wasn't loving. And so shortly after we met, I, I, uh, I got off of it. And, um, uh, you know, the pharmaceutical industry was all too anxious to get me on that. And I, I, I asked my the psychiatrist at the time, he, 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 uh, he said, you know, I do, just to let you know, I get paid by this company to speak about it. And that should have been my warning right there. Yeah. But um, uh, it, uh, it's so unfortunate. So, yes. So, typically, again, we go back to, for most people, they have to get to a point where the, the, uh, the, the, the misery of their certainty exceeds the, uh, the, uh, the, you know, the, the perceived misery of uncertainty where everything happens, where, where the magic happens. And when you're dealing with people who are 
um, facing a life-threatening mm-hmm. illness. They such usually as are open. They're more, more open, open. Okay. to that possibility. Um, it is very difficult to have this conversation with people who have no major challenges in their mm-hmm. life mm-hmm. because they are comfortable in their misery. And there's that comfort and, and again. they become part of who they are. Yeah, they, yeah they they're used to well, it. That's just what it is. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you this. You talk about um, holding master heart meetings. What's that? Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. Well, master heart meetings are a meeting that Michael and I uh, do on, let's say, uh, every other week or every mo- month. It could be every other month. The point is we need to talk about things that bother us about the minor things that bother about the other person. Okay. So let's say I'm washing the dishes and I put all my dishes on the, on the rack and I put the glasses on, on the counter and Michael is, is looking at me like saying, why are you putting the, the, the glass on, on the counter? Because they're not going to dry. You know what I mean? The small the right. small potatoes mm-hmm. that we we uh, when couples we live together. I was taught to do it this way, and he was taught to do it this way, or he thinks this is the best way. So we talk about the minor minor annoyances in the relationship in those meetings, and it's a it's a template. We have like a one sheet template yeah. where it, it's an organized meeting, and we say. Look, I don't like when you throw your socks on the floor when you come back from work. Would you mind changing that behavior? And that person make a promise that they're going to change that behavior if they feel like this is something they can negotiate. So that's what the master's heart meeting is about. It's for the minor little irritations. And, uh, you know, the funny thing about that, that, that it's so funny because when Jacqueline... When we moved in together, Jacqueline would put these cups face down on the on the on the granite countertop, and I'm thinking the engineer in me is saying, "That's never going to dry. It's going to form bacteria in there. We're going to just die a horrible death." And uh, and I had no idea. <laughs> Sometimes we we just don't know. We have done this behavior. Right, right. We have this behavior for a long time, and sometimes it's, it's difficult to get rid of them. But if you know about them, so these meetings are for me to learn, what am I doing that bother him, that really get in his you know, nerves? And, and we aspire to live in harmony. Therefore, we negotiate. We say, well, yeah, I can change that behavior. Yeah, yeah. So, it, it, so those are for the minor annoyances. For the big ones where we feel we, a major charge, yeah, we, we talk, talk about it right then and there. Yeah. Right then and there, we talk about it. Yeah. And and from the context of we are our heart, not our ego. The egos are having a conniption fit right now. We get it. So let's talk this through. Yeah. And uh, and that works very effectively. Yeah. 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 To avoid the wounding. You know, it's interesting that you are recommending that really nothing be ignored, that you pay attention to the entirety of the person and to the entirety of the relationship. Where can yes. folks go to get more information about the work that you folks are doing? Well, we've been told that uh, anybody who's read our book, who's, who's in, 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 whether they have cancer or not, it says this is not just for people with cancer. It's it true. really is for everybody. It's and true. So the first place would be our book, which is Return to Sex and Intimacy for Cancer Survivors and Their Partners. Or just remember, Return to Sex and Intimacy. There's the, that's the only one that has that title on Amazon, both in print and Kindle. 
And then uh, also the website, we in, have cancer intimacy Cancer intimacy Yeah, cancer intimacy help. Yeah, cancer And that has like the, the a calendar, a lot of the, the, calendar yeah, of presentations. And then also that has that template uh, for the uh, Master Art template that they can freely download. They a lot of free stuff on there. Q and A. We have um, a Q and A. Yeah, we have a monthly Q and A uh, that people can uh, call in live uh, uh, second Tuesday of every month. Uh, they can ask us any question they want. Wonderful. Um, yeah, so we have a lot of free resources there, and uh, this is our mission. This is not a book. And rich. then Michael <laughs> have over hundred articles. So yeah. if someone just Google his name, they are they'll be able to read all the articles he has written. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent, folks. Thank you so much for joining us today and for the work that you're continuing to do. Thank you. We thank, thank you, you for the opportunity to have this talk with you. Thank you, Pamela. We have a great time. And folks, thank you for joining us today on this edition of Mind Talk. Mind Talk is brought to you daily as an educational public service. It is not intended to replace any work that you might choose to do with a medical, mental health, or other professional. Mind Talk is available to you to you on demand by going to mindtalk.org that's m-y-n-d-t-a-l-k.org or you can download the free mindtalk app by going to the itunes store or the google play store i'd love to know where in the world you are as you're listening to mindtalk so send me an email to pamela at mindtalk.org again that's m-y-n-d-t-a-l-k.org and i welcome any of your comments your thoughts your reactions or suggestions to any of the conversations that you are listening to here on Mind Talk. Mind Talk is produced by Jim Brown and 26 by 2 Communications. And remember, always remember, if it's unacceptable, it's unacceptable. Take care. Thank you.